Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Father, you are here. We are here. May we be here together now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Morning, everyone. Who likes having people over their house? Yeah? Eh, There you go. Like large groups of people. Parties? Who are my party people? The real, true, hospitable types. Okay. Well, thank God for people like you, because I am not one of them. I am not hospitable, not by a long shot. It's too stressful. The cleaning, your house is never that clean. When you have people come over, it's when you like you pull the couch out and if you have kids, you're like, wow, there's like a sandwich back there. That's what that smell has been for a month. You're pulling out the stove and the fridge. It's too much. And then there's all the house, like home repairs because you left like the one toilet not working for like a year and a half, but now, well, there's company coming over, so you know, we don't want them going in the master bedroom, and you don't want them thinking that you live like an animal, so that's when you call the plumber over to fix it, and you're changing all the light bulbs, because you've been living in the dark like a vampire for a year. Home repairs. And then it's just the social pressure. You gotta make sure everyone's entertained, and they're laughing and having a good time, and their drinks are full. The food preparation. And then the cleanup afterwards. And then there's always that couple that likes to hang out too long. And you're just, you're tired. You're ready to go. Like, come on now. Okay. It's midnight. Go home. Too much. The world needs hospitable people. Thanks be to God. I'm just not one of them. That's for sure. Hospitality, you know, that was a big thing in Jesus' day. It was a major thing. It was a social norm and cultural expectation to offer, provide food and lodging. Yeah, they're staying over, and lodging uh, to people. And usually on a whim. There was no shoot me a text when you're on your way over. That didn't exist. You needed to be able to respond immediately. And Jesus, being a traveling preacher as he was, he relied heavily on the hospitality of others in the villages and the towns that he ministered in, both he and his disciples. Now, as you read through the Gospels, you realize not everyone received Jesus, not everybody really liked him, not everyone invited him into their homes, but many did, and a woman by the name of Martha was one of them. She's one of the women, really the main character, if you will, in our Gospel text this morning. So in this story, as far as Luke tells it in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus and his entourage are making this slow journey towards the city of Jerusalem, and they're stopping at various places along the way. They arrive at this village and are obviously in need of a place to stay and food to eat. Martha hears that Jesus just showed up to town. So she leaves her home She meets Jesus out into the street and invites he and his people into her home. She welcomes them. Now, at a minimum, Martha needs to cook for 13 people. 
That's Jesus and his 12 apostles. There's probably more because Jesus kind of has this tendency of picking up random people along the way, telling them to come follow him. So there might be more, probably more. That doesn't include herself and her sister. Now Martha just can't go to, you know, BJ's and grab a box of corn dogs and pop it in the micro and then like squirt ketchup on a paper plate and put it in the middle of the table. She doesn't even have that option. She can't go to Publix, grab some platters, or like call Uber Eats to drop off some McDonald's hamburgers for the boys. That is not an option. Everything has to be cooked from scratch. This is the first century. We're talking baking bread from flour. We're talking if meat is on the menu, she's got to go slaughter an animal and gut it and skin it and chop it up and season it and cook it for hours, let alone whatever sauces or dips or side dishes. This is a massive undertaking. So she is rightfully so busy in the kitchen preparing this large meal so that Jesus and his disciples can rest and eat. But Mary, probably her little sister, come on, it's probably her little sister. Her little sister is just chilling on the floor, listening to Jesus. Not cool, very not cool, not even by today's standards. Well, in more traditional family settings, like my wife's family is kind of traditional Italian. Holidays, special occasions, large group parties type stuff. It's the women. The women plan, the women clean, the women cook, the women plan all the activities, they clean up, they pretty much do everything while the guys are on the porch, you know, having scotch and talking about stupid stuff. It's the women, and they do it together. And you know in those types of families, when the one woman's not helping, then there's conversations about it after. Why is she just sitting there, you know? So Mary, she leaves Martha to do it all by herself. Martha gets a little bothered by this, a little perturbed. You know, but she doesn't go over to Mary and ask her, hey, Mary, can I, could you help me in the kitchen? She doesn't do that. She goes right to Jesus to intervene, to get him involved. Don't you care that Mary has left me to do all this? She's freaking out at this moment. All this stuff by myself, tell her to help me. And truly, Martha has every right to react this way because not only Mary, but Jesus is breaking social norms and cultural expectations. Of course, Mary, and come on, first century Middle Eastern woman, she's supposed to be in the kitchen with Martha cooking. No other options. Jesus is allowing a woman to be one of his students to be an apprentice. He's allowing her to sit at his feet and not listen to him tell jokes or talking about current events. Listen to his teaching, his message, literally in the original language, his word, it says. He's not supposed to be doing that. Only men are disciples, not women. So Jesus is playing the renegade here. So how does Jesus respond to Martha? What does he say? Well, he sees through the surface, as he always does, and goes right to the heart of the matter, the heart of the issue, 
the issue is actually not the large meal. It's not. You know, that first sentence that says in the gospel, I read it, Mary was distracted by her many tasks. That's one way to translate that. The word task is actually the word we get for service. It's the word we get for ministry. It's actually the word behind our word, deacon. You can rephrase that sentence and say, Martha was busy in the kitchen deaconing a meal for Jesus and his disciples. There's nothing wrong with that at all. The large meal was only the occasion to expose what was really going on in Martha's heart. Martha, Martha, honey, darling. He's so, Jesus is so sweet, isn't he? He's so kind, he's so gentle, he's so patient. Martha, Martha, you are worried, you are troubled, you are pressured, you are anxious, you are overburdened by many things. Martha, it's not about the meal. It's something else. What he's saying is, Martha, even if Mary was helping you, you'd still be in an absolute frenzy. You'd be running around fanatically, worried about what I'm going to think of you, worried about what others are going to think about you, worried about your own self-evaluation. Martha, this is how you live. This is your world. Your sister Mary has actually chosen a different path because Mary knows that other people's opinions about her don't matter, only mine. And she knows I'm pretty fond of her. And she knows the most important thing is to sit at my feet, to listen to me, to silence all the other voices of the world and listen to mine, to be with me. Martha, slow down and sit at my feet. The boys, they'll survive another hour and a half of not eating. We'll be fine. We haven't eaten in a week. Allow me to serve you, Martha. Feast on my word, dine with me, and then you can get up and go into the kitchen. Otherwise, you're just performing for me, thinking you need to gain my approval, something that you already have. Or you're performing to gain the approval of other people, something that is not important. You see, Jesus is trying to set this woman free. This story is a healing of Martha's heart and setting her free what has, been, has captured her her whole life, which is fear and shame. Fear and shame. And Jesus wants to set us free from those two things as well. But in order for that to happen, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions, which we usually don't like to do. We have to ask the question, why? Why what? Why do we need to? Why do we need to be the top performer in our company? Why? Why do we need to squash the competition? Why? Why do I think I need to be the best of the best of the best or the subject matter expert in my field? Why? Why do I need to exceed? Why do I think I need to win or achieve? Why do I feel like I need to keep up appearances and submit to social expectations? Why do I feel like I have to say yes to literally everything anyone asks of me? Why do I need to get the A in class? Why? What are my real motives? Why do I really do the things that I do? 
What's the fuel behind my actions? Is it gratitude for Jesus? Is it a servant's response because of his great love? Or is it fear and shame? Is it fear of not measuring up to whatever standard I believe is placed upon me, whether I believe God placed it upon me or other people or I place it there myself? Is it the voice of shame that says, you're never gonna amount to anything really? Or if people really knew who you were, they would leave you or reject you, or you're ugly or you're stupid or you're unworthy or incapable of love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ask yourself, if you didn't accomplish these things, whatever they may be, what would that make you? If it's anything other than a beloved darling child of God, and Christ came from heaven and left his throne to die on a cross for you and would do it again and again and again and again, would hang there for eternity for you. And that God has come to make his home in you, that the spirit of God dwells in you. If it's anything other than that, well then Mary's got the remedy. You need to sit at his feet. You see, we all do. We all need to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and listen and listen to his word, which is what? His message of love for you. To be reminded who we are and who we belong to. And at his feet, that's where we might realize and hopefully do, we are truly loved. You are truly loved. You do not have to perform to gain God's approval. You already have it. God takes great delight in you. And his opinion is the only one that really matters. Really. That you're allowed to say no. No is not a profane word. Because you discovered at his feet that the reason why you say yes is because you just want people to think you're nice and loving. And maybe that actually gained their love. You can take a day off. You can take a rest. You can stop from your labors. You can take a Sabbath, if you will, because you realize at the feet of Jesus, you know what, Jesus, the reason why I work myself to the bone is because I'm afraid to fail. And I think everything is on my shoulders and is at the feet of Jesus where you realize no, it's not. That God is in control. And so there you're invited to release and give God control. You don't need to pretend like you have it all together. You don't need to be super mom or super dad or super grandma or super grandpa or be whoever that is you follow on Instagram or Facebook. You don't have to do that. Parents are not going to hear me say this. Maybe you got to shoot for the B this semester. Kids, study hard. Because you realize, you know what? The reason why I shoot for A's is not for academic excellence to show how much gratitude I have for Jesus. It's because I have something to prove to myself. But you realize, you know, I don't need that validation. I don't need it. So maybe if I actually decide I'm going to go for a B so I can live a little less stressed 
and live a little more like a human being and pay attention to Jesus, I'm preaching to myself by the way, and pay attention to Jesus and to the important people of my life. You know, I've been ordained for five years. Not one of you has asked me to see my transcripts. I mean, if you want to see them, I'll show them. But no one. I'm sure Father Rick, you've been a priest for how long? Like 15, 17? Has anyone ever, hey, Father uh, Rick, can I see your transcripts? Probably not. Nobody cares. These aren't excuses to be lazy. They're invitations to be human. And that's what Jesus is in the business of, making us full and healed human beings, restored in his image. Then we can stand up and go to the kitchen of life and respond in loving service, responding in a spirit of gratitude, not obligation, gratitude as we put our hands to whatever it is that we sense God is calling to us in whatever season of life that we're living in. Working not as Jesus' employees, he's not our employer. We serve as his disciples, as his people, as his family. There's a difference. We serve like Martha in a spirit of Mary. Regardless of what we're doing, always in heart and mind, still at the feet of Jesus. Amen. I invite you in a brief moment of silence to sit at the feet of Jesus. Maybe. Maybe that word was for you, I don't know. Maybe Jesus wants to set you free from fear and shame. Maybe this morning you need to hear again and be reminded that you are beloved and there's nothing you can do to change that. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.